Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. Our first Sunday and is our graduation Sunday. So I want to speak a message that will tie into what we're going to do today because I feel it's very, very important. Amen. So let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment. I pray that let your anointing rest upon me, even as bring the word of God to your people. Open their hearts, open their ears to hear what you have in store for them. I pray that you speak to each and every one of them specifically and touch them and convict them to respond to this message positively. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to speak on the subject multiplication and mentorship or mentorship and multiplication. Mentorship and multiplication. If you can beam the vision wheel for me, I'll be very happy on the screen. Our vision, as we all know, is to see a movement of churches planted on strategic locations that will transform ordinary people into ardent followers and foot soldiers of Jesus Christ. Let's go. What is our vision? Three, go. Is to see a movement of churches planted on strategic locations, which will transform ordinary people into ardent followers and foot soldiers of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to say it again and be a prefect for me by checking your neighbor's mouth to see if what the lips are saying is what is supposed to be said. Can you be my prefect for one minute? All right. What is our vision? Let's go. Check out your neighbor. Three, go. So how many marks can you give your neighbor? <laughs> I hope you didn't give your neighbor zero. If you're a member of this church, I want to encourage you to really get to know the vision of the church. It is important for you to know the vision of the church because if you don't understand why we are here, if you don't understand what City of Transformation is all about, you find yourself criticizing everything that we try to do. It is the vision that guides an organization. It is vision that guides a church. And it is vision that determines what happens in that organization. You see, if your vision is to drill boreholes, you have no business beginning hotels and cooking food. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so it's important for every member of this church to understand the vision, to know the vision of the church, so that when you see us planting churches, then you know that we are fulfilling the vision that God has given unto us. Amen. So one more time. Now, this time, don't be a prefect. Become a teacher so that we see how many marks you can award your student, isn't it? All right. Do you, do you, do you have your students around you? Some of you are around students who are very uncooperative. They are even looking down. All right, let's go. What is our vision? Is
All right. How is your student doing? <laughs> your student is doing well. He's trying. So every member of this church, I encourage you to really, really understand the vision. Now, we have the wheel of our vision, which forms the pillars of our vision. Every house has pillars. Every building has a pillar. And it's the pillar that holds that building together. We have a vision, but our vision also has pillars. And these are the pillars that hold our vision together. These pillars, I have dubbed them five C's. Pillar number one, at the heart of our vision is church planting. Somebody say church planting. This is the heart of our vision, that God has commanded us and commissioned us to plant churches on strategic locations. City of Transformation is supposed to become a movement of churches spread across this nation and spread across the world. And through our vision, we find our purpose, why we are here, why we have, we have come together, why we exist as City of Transformation Church. And that's why when you look at that wheel, you can see that church planting is at the heart of everything that we do. And everything focuses on church planting. So if we don't plant churches, then we're not fulfilling our vision. And that's why we have to plant many more churches. And this year, we're going to plant many more churches. In fact, one of the prayers I was making is it will get to a place where I don't have to plant the churches. The churches will start replicating themselves yeah, in different locations. Praise the Lord. Amen. And may God answer that prayer very soon. In Jesus' name. And then the second C is the Great Commission. Somebody say Great Commission. Great Commission is simply outreach. We are very passionate about going out. We are very passionate about winning souls for Jesus Christ. We are very passionate about expanding the kingdom of God. You know, we are not after recycling believers. We are not after sheep migration. We are after sheep multiplication. We are after the bathing of souls into the kingdom of God. And this gives us our mission. Our mission is to fulfill the great commission. We, 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 we want to go out to those who are not born again. We want to infiltrate highways and byways. Go to people who have not received the message of Christ and win them to Christ and bring them to the house of God. The third C is connect. Somebody say connect. And that is our small groups. It's through our small groups that we are able to plug into uh, the church and we become a family. That small group helps you, you know, to find a family. Because you see, when you're in a city like the city we are in, you know, people have very loose connections. People have very loose relational connections. People come to church and enjoy the service. When you say amen, everybody jumps in their car. And, and, and they're gone. So city churches have very loose relational connections. If you go to the village and see how people are connected, you don't see it in the city. It's, it's in the village that somebody can come to your house and you will still give them tea without an appointment. But in the city when you show up, they say, you should have said. You should have said. It's because in city we have very loose relational connections. So we, we, we also want this to be a family church, a church where we have very strong ties. We are connected 
to one another. We have a small family that makes each and every one of us you know, belong. One of the needs of a human being is to belong, to feel like you belong somewhere. That's why you see people can't even break away from you know, using their father's name. It's a very strong thing. Yeah, ladies still use their father's name because they want to belong. You find yourself using your father's name. You want to belong. It's, it's, it's something that you're used to. And when you feel like you have somewhere you're coming from, it makes you feel very good. It makes you feel safe. It makes you feel nice. It's a form of identity. So through, you know, CMGs, we are able to connect with one another and become a family in this church. Then we have charisma. Somebody say charisma. Charisma is where you discover your spiritual shape. You get to know your temperaments. You discover, you know, the gifts, the talents, the abilities, and endowments that God has put inside of you. And th these are pillars, and they are very important. And you see, when you discover how you are gifted, how you are shaped, that, you know, informs where you fit. You know where you're supposed to operate from. You know where you're supposed to fit and begin to function. It's through charisma that you are able to function. Functionality is very important in the house of God. Because if you don't know where you fit, you feel lost. You feel like, you know, what, what do I have to contribute to this church? I, I, don't, I don't believe that God brought you to this church to just be a consumer. I believe that God brought you to this church to be a contributor. And, and, and it's more than just contributing money. You know, there are people who say, as long as I give my tithe, as long as I give my offering, then I've done my part. I think that is the lowest form of giving. The highest form of giving is when you give your life. That's why God showed us, you know, the example of giving by giving his life. He gave his son. You know, Jesus could have sent one of the angels to die for us and redeem us, isn't it? He could have sent one of the angels to come, you know, and do the work of redemption. But he actually sent his son. He actually sent himself and he laid down his life, you know, for us. So the highest form of giving is when you give yourself. It's important to give your money. It's important to give your tithe and your offerings, but it's a form of giving. But if you're to really give, is when you give yourself. And how do you give yourself? You discover your shape. You know your charisma. charisma. Charisma is a Greek word for gift. You know your gift. And then that will inform where you fit. Because everybody here, there is a space for you. You're quiet. I want to repeat. Everybody here, there is a space for you in this church. Everyone here, man and woman, Young person, there is a space for you where you can function and where you can express your gift and your talent. The next C that we have is, shout it, it is change. And we believe that as you come to this ministry, you must change. No wonder it's called the city of transformation. You, you must be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we believe that you come as you are, but you don't remain as you are. You must be changed. You must be transformed, you know, into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. And we have this pipeline of greatness. We have this factory that churns out people who are changed. The T-truck or the transformation truck. That's why people are graduating today. I told you, don't allow anybody to dampen your graduation. It is through this pipeline that you experience change.
Because you're able to learn so many things. You study the word of God. You understand ministry. You understand finances. You understand preaching. You understand prayer. You understand faith. You understand leadership. You understand the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You understand the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You understand so many things as you go through, you know, the transformation track, which I want to encourage everybody here, if you've never gone through it, you must go through it. Because through the transformation track, you know, you find freedom. You are liberated. Everyone, when we come to Christ, we are not totally free. We still have baggages. We still have issues. We still have questions. We still have controversies. We still have, you know, mindsets that can only be dealt with when you are taken through the transformation track. Changes you, changes your mind, changes the way you view God, changes the way you view church, changes the way you view leadership, changes so many things about your life. Because all of us are coming from somewhere. There are people here who are coming from somewhere where there is no law. You're coming from a place where there is no authority. You're coming from a place where nobody can tell you nothing. Nobody can direct you, nobody can instruct you, nobody can correct you, nobody can rebuke you. That's why you find you cannot even correct some people. The moment you correct them, is what they were waiting for to bolt out. It's because of where they're coming from. Yeah, they were raised without boundaries. They were raised without authority. I call them spoiled brats. Nobody can tell them anything. So when you go through transformation, it changes your mind. You understand authority. You understand giving. You understand money. You understand love. You understand marriage. We even have a curriculum for marriage. And I'll mention them here. You understand so many things. Praise the Lord. Can we just go a little bit deeper? So I'll explain to you. So the transformation track, you know, has the following. Number one, it has the membership track. The membership track introduces the church to you. Because it's not just enough for you to join the church. It's important for you to know the church you're joining. To understand the church you're joining. Because if you don't understand the church you're joining, it will be very difficult for you to plug in. So the membership track tells you who we are. It tells you what the city of transformation is all about. What we stand for. What is our doctrine? What is our dogma? What are our values? What is our culture code? What do we believe in? What is the foundation of this ministry? So it introduces the church to you so that you can get to know what this church is all about. There are many, many Christians who are in churches today, but they don't understand those churches. They don't even know anything about those churches. They just think it's a place where you go, you get a good someone and go. It's good for you to know because the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of what? Lack of knowledge. So it introduces the church to you. And it's important for all of us to go through the membership track so that the church, you know, you understand the church that you belong to. You understand, you know, the values, the culture code, the doctrine, you know, that the church stands for. Can I get an amen in this house? Then we have the expedition track. Expedition is from, it's, it's another word for journey. An expedition track is a journey of going deeper in the word of, of God. This is a spiritual journey that you take that leads to functionality. And in this expedition track, we have the following that I want to throw to you quickly. Please, I have not forgotten my message. I have started preaching. We have activate, we have connect, and we have transform. Activating your faith, connecting to God, 
so that you can become a transformed agent. Very, very important. It will take you one year. Then we have, before you say I do, preparation for marriage. Everybody that is preparing to get married in this church, this is a class that you're encouraged to attend. Because I've realized that we spend all our energies, our time, our passion, our everything to prepare for the wedding, but we never prepare for marriage. You will save for the wedding, but you will never save for marriage. You will select people for your wedding who will march on the line. You will select colors, color theme for your wedding. You will even select the venue for the wedding. And sometimes you're selecting the venue and paying money and you don't know where to take your wife after the wedding. Tell your neighbor it is a conundrum. So I've noticed people spend so much in the wedding. Pour so much in the wedding. Spend so much money in their wedding. They can even blow 10 million in their wedding because they want to come landing in a chopper. The bride wants to march in on a horse. They can even take a loan to impress us who have come for the wedding. And we eat the food. Then when we leave, we leave them in debt. They begin the marriage with financial stress. So they really worked so hard to have a wonderful wedding. And now they find themselves with a marriage that they are not prepared for. So this curriculum is to help you prepare for marriage. Look, you might think you really know much, but I bet you my bottom dollar, you don't. Romance is not marriage. Goosebumps is not marriage. Being good in bed is not marriage. Tell your neighbor there is a lot that is involved in marriage. So before you say I do, it's very important for you. And then we have parenting. It's just a class to help you become a parent. Now, most of you don't understand why I put together this parenting. I put together this parenting because I discovered that when you're in a church, you have a lot of young parents. Because people are getting married every day. People are getting married every year. And we have a lot of young parents who are being, you know, bathed in the church. That's why I put together this parenting manual. And I'm so surprised that many parents don't attend it. In fact, it's like the young people have warmed up to the parenting track. More than parents. Because parents feel like they already know. Look at your neighbor and tell them, even if you know, you need more knowledge. Oh, yes. So, I mean, sit down for 12 weeks and learn about parenting. Learn about raising your children. It does not hurt. Because many parents bring their children when there is a crisis. How do you bring your child to me to remove demons that have been there for 20 years? In five minutes. To change the orientation of a child. You know, that has been there for the last 17 years. 
It is not easy. So bring the children, come, sorry, come and learn so that you can be able to bring up your children in the ways of the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a very powerful class that I encourage all parents who are here to be able to attend. Join and learn and become an excellent parent. There is a period you have with your children and when that period is over, no matter what you try to do, you'll be playing catch up and it will not be effective. There is a period. You know, the Catholics say that give me a child until he's seven and you'll never cease to be a Catholic. And you can see many people who grew up in the Catholic faith is not very easy to change them. Something has been ingrained in them and it's very, very strong. It's not easy to remove it. Look at even other religions, how they are focusing on children. Yeah? They have established learning centers in your estates. While your children are running around with old tires. Their children are going for lessons. And they are being taught. Because they know if we can get their minds at this stage. Even when they grow up, they will not depart from this. But it also is a principle in the word of God. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will never depart from it. Parents, are you here? Parents, please, are you here? Make sure you join this class. Then we have pastors from the peers. Remember I told you the heart of our vision is church planting. And so if we're going to plant churches, then we need to raise pastors. We need to develop pastors who can plant these churches. One of the things that God spoke to me is, or was, not to try and look for pastors, but to raise pastors. It is so much easy to look for pastors. What you do, you attend graduations in Bible schools. And then you wait for the one they will declare was number one. After that, you approach that person and say, okay, uh, I have a job for you. Come and work with me. And then you hire them to come and be pastors. But for me, my philosophy is different. God spoke to me to raise my own pastors. So I will work with you. I will walk with you. I will remove your matutas. I will clean your noses. I will counsel you. I will motivate you until you become a fully fledged pastor. And you'll be able to raise churches. All my pastors, I am the one who raised them. Even the ones who have planted churches. And I am not done. I will raise so many other pastors because of the work that is ahead of us. Praise the Lord. You know, there are people who say, you know, Pastor, me, I, I don't feel the calling of being a pastor. Huh? I, I don't think I have the burden of being a pastor. It is true. But you also did home science and you are a man. Didn't you do um science? <laughs> hey, why are you quiet? Am I saying the truth? Yeah. How many did um science? Me, I did um science. Yes. So knowledge is good. You might not be a pastor, 
You might not have been called to be a pastor, but it's important for you to understand the, pastor, the pastorate so that you can support the pastor that God has given unto you. If you understand it, you will support. You will know what he carries, what he shoulders, the challenges that he goes through, and you will become number one supporter because now you understand what pastoring is all about. Amen. Look at your neighbor with a smile on your face and tell them, hmm, you look like a pastor. <laughs> Did they smile back or they went like, eh? <laughs> and then we have starting point. Starting point is simply practical ministry. I felt I needed to put together a manual to help you put into practice what you have learned. Theory enough is not theory only is not enough. You need to know how to put into practice what you have learned. So starting point is simply um, a manual for practical ministry. So these are pillars. Somebody say pillars. These are pillars that hold our vision. And, and for you to really plug into the vision, you must be part of these pillars that I've shared with you. You must be part of church planting. You must be part of the Great Commission. You must be part of transformation, the transformation journey that we have here. You, 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 you must discover your gift. You must belong to a small group. You must connect and belong to a small group. Become a member of a CMG in, 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 in your locality so that you become part and parcel of the vision that God has given to us. Ladies and gentlemen, everything that I've shared with you is mentorship. This is mentorship pipeline. And this is what will bring multiplication of souls, multiplication of workers, and multiplication of leaders. And let me add, even multiplication of churches. Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. What I've shared with you is mentorship. It's a mentorship pipeline that will cause multiplication of souls, workers, leaders, and even churches. Where there is a precise and thorough discipleship program in a church, the multiplication of souls, workers, and leaders is inevitable. You see, if we don't multiply workers, if we don't multiply pastors, if we don't multiply leaders in the church, the church will be handicapped. The church will depend on one person. And I've seen that happen a lot. When the church depends on one person and that person becomes sick, the church is crippled. When a, dep a department depends on one person and that person travels, that department is crippled. You know, when there's an area in the church that only one person you know, leads or handles that area, when that person is not there or when that person becomes rebellious, he becomes a, an orango. Ask your but you know what an orango is? An orango is a type of the ape family that is always isolated. So when you become, when this person becomes rebellious, because he's the only person, then the church suffers. And we have areas in the church where there is only one person. There is no multiplication. There is no mentorship that leads to multiplication. And when this person knows that he's the only one, he can even begin to manipulate the pastor. He can begin to control, you know, everything. Because he knows that if I'm not there, nothing can happen. And we're not supposed to be like that. We need to have more workers. We need mentorship at every level in the church. 
so that we can produce more workers. We can produce more leaders. We can produce more pastors. And we can produce more churches so that we are not held at ransom. Hallelujah. Can I hear a louder amen in the house? So I pray that through this mentorship program, we shall have more leaders in departments, more leaders in CMGs, more leaders and pastors in this church, so that if one leader or one pastor or one worker is absent, the ministry will still go on. The ministry will still continue. Can you shout amen? Or oh, you're the one who wants to hold the church at ransom. Yes, the ministry will continue because we have many more people who can do the work as well. And I pray that this year we'll multiply more people to work for the Lord. I say this year, I pray that we'll have a multiplication of more workers, more leaders, more pastors, more preachers, more evangelists. Hallelujah. So that the work of God can move forward. Let me give you this statement. Mentorship is the fertilizer that multiplies leaders or workers in the church. Mentorship is the fertilizer that multiplies leaders or workers in the church. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 to verse 37. Matthew chapter 9. The Bible says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. There is no disease that was brought before Jesus that was not healed. Every disease was healed. May every disease in this house be healed this morning in the name of Jesus. And then the Bible says, verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. There were people who were drawn to the power that was flowing through the hands of Jesus. Because he had compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They were weary, they were scattered, and like sheep having no shepherd. They were weary, they were tired, tired of what they were going through. They were scattered. There was nobody to bring them together. There was nobody to hasten their energies, their potential, and their great gifts. There was nobody to bring them together so that together they may fulfill you know, a, a greater goal as a group. And they were like sheep having no shepherd. Can you imagine meeting sheep without a shepherd? The sheep is vulnerable. So they were vulnerable as well because there was no shepherd to bring direction and to bring leadership in their lives. Then look at verse 37. This is a very sad, you know, picture that Jesus, show, uh, Jesus saw. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers, somebody shout laborers, Laborers are few. So we don't have laborers. Laborers are few. The harvest is plenty. When you look at the world today, you can see that the harvest is plenty. There are so many opportunities for ministry. There are so many places that we need to go and, and plant churches. There are so many countries that we need to send missionaries to, to be able to plant, you know, churches. But the laborers are few. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is laborers. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is leaders. The problem is not the harvest. The problem is preachers. 
We don't have enough preachers. We don't have enough churches. You know, I hear people say, oh, I think we have so many churches in this country. We need to close down on some of the churches. Look, the churches that are in this country are not even enough to take care of the spiritual needs of this country. We have so many people who are not born again. So many people who are scattered. They are like sheep that is scattered. They have no direction. They don't know the Savior. You know, they, they have not interacted with the gospel. So we need more laborers. We need more churches. We need more preachers. We need more pastors. You're not saying amen, but I'll preach anyway. We need them so that we can harvest the ripe harvest that is in the world today. Look at your neighbor and tell them you're the laborer who has refused to say yes to the Lord. Yeah, Jesus could see that the harvest was plenty. It was plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what is happening right now in many churches is there is no multiplication of laborers. There is no multiplication of workers. There is no multiplication of pastors. There is no multiplication of leaders in the church anymore. In fact, what we have now focused on, you know, in many churches, you know, is sheep stealing. It is sheep stealing and sheep migration. The sheep, you know, is busy moving from one church to another looking for something that they don't seem to be finding. And they'll keep on moving from one church to another and we encourage the migration of the sheep from house of mercy to house of Yahweh. From house of Yahweh to house of grace. From house of grace to city of power. From city of power to city of prophecy. From city of prophecy to city of transformation. So there is a lot of sheep migration. But there is no kingdom expansion. We are recycling believers. I'm be, I'll, be, I'll be here. When I'm tired, I will move here. When I'm tired, I will move here. When I'm tired, I will move here. So the kingdom of God is not expanding. What we are, what we are doing is like we are playing chess with the sheep. Just moving them. From one box to another. From one church to another. If you are here, put a full stop to sheep migration. Oh, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying if you are here, put a full stop to sheep migration. And let us focus on sheep multiplication. Because what you are looking for, it is in the word of God. It is not in the name of a church. It is in the word of God. And if the word of God is preached in the church you are in, that is all you need. I know you can't clap, but I have said something very powerful. So, there is harvest there, but the sheep is just migrating. 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 I am looking for the most anointed, prolific, powerful man of God. I am tired of a pastor who wears dull colors. I want a pastor who wears white suits. He has crocodile shoes. 
and he has a designer belt. When he's preaching, he lifts up his hand so you can see the label. <laughs> so the kingdom of God is not growing. The kingdom of God is not expanding because we are just reshuffling believers. You know, from one church to another, from one church to another, from one church. Look, I want to say this again. If you are here, put a full stop to sheep migration and decide I am in church. The word is being taught here. The worship is here. There is a vision here. Let me stay and see what God will do in my life. In fact, I want to grow so much until I become a leader. I become a pastor. I become a preacher. Why are you not saying yeah there? Yeah, so that I can go out there and win souls for Jesus Christ and expand the kingdom of God. Are we together, somebody? That's why we have all these programs. These are not decorations in the church. These are to multiply the sheep, to move you from being a sheep to becoming a shepherd. And from a shepherd, you become a shepherd who multiplies the number of sheep within the church. Because the harvest is plenty and God is looking for laborers. I pray that this year every member of this church will become a shepherd. You will not just be a sheep consuming and eating and getting blessed. You will go to another level and become a shepherd. God will use you to bring many more sheep into the house of God. If you believe it, shout a louder amen in this house. Look at your neighbor with a smile on your face and tell them, hmm... Finish the statement. So God's kingdom. Write this. is a very powerful statement. God's kingdom will expand. Not by sheep migration. But by sheep mentorship. God's kingdom will expand. Not by sheep migration. But by sheep mentorship and so this mentoring journey how does it look like how does this mentoring journey bring about multiplication i want us to read mark chapter 3 verse 13 to 15 i'll give you four points and then we're gonna pray mark chapter 3 verse 13 to 15 hallelujah out of this scripture i'm gonna give you Four points. Somebody say four points. Point number one is the call. Point number two is obedience. Point number three is to be equipped. And point number four is the commission. So let's read this verse and then we go through this point. Points and pray. And he went up on the mountain. Who is this? Jesus. And called to him those he wanted. Somebody say those he wanted. And they came to him. Someone say they came to him. Verse 14. What happened? Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Wow. Verse 15. What else did he do? And to have power. Somebody shout power. To heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. So this mentorship that we are talking about today that brings multiplication 
involves four principles. Principle number one is the call. Somebody shout the call. You see, when you get saved, God places his call upon your life. God has saved you for him. I need to say that again. God has saved you for him. He has saved you for his purpose. He has not saved you for your own agenda. He has saved you for him. He has saved you for his purpose. I mean, God can't go out of his way to save you for you. He has saved you for him. And he has saved you for his own purpose. Some of you think I'm saved from my own agenda. It's not your own agenda. You are saved because God wants you to fulfill his agenda. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he paid a price for your redemption. He has a purpose for your life. He has a call upon your life. That's why he sent a preacher to come your way. He sent a pastor to come your way. He sent a Christian to come and talk to you about Jesus. That's why he sent somebody to come and reach out to you. It was because of his purpose. So there is a call of God upon every man, every woman who is born again. Are you born again? Are you saved? Have you been delivered from sin? Have you been translated into the kingdom of his dear son? I want you to know that there is God's call upon your life. So salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is an identification tag on your life for mentoring. Because there is the call of God upon your life, God has to mentor you. Or God has to take you through a process of mentoring so that that purpose, that call that he has placed upon your life may be fulfilled. It is not just enough for you to be called. It's important for you to understand that you have to be trained. And I'll talk about that. You have to be trained. You have to be instructed. You have to be matured for the work of the ministry. So there is a call of God upon each and every one of us. You are not just saved so that you may go to heaven. You're not just saved so that you can wear it as a badge of honor. You're not just saved so that you can walk around and tell people I'm a Christian. You're not just saved so that you can use it to get a job. You know I'm a Christian. You can trust me. You are saved because God's call is upon your life. God's purpose is attached to your life. And he wants you to fulfill that call. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in verse 13 that Jesus went up on the mountain and he called. Somebody shout cold. He called to him those he himself wanted. The reason why you are born again is because Jesus wanted you. It's because God wanted you. You see, Jesus didn't look at their eloquence. He didn't look at their height. He didn't look at their tribe. He didn't look at their level of education. Some of them were not even educated. He didn't look at their experiences in life. He just wanted them. The reason why you are saved is because God wanted you. And the reason why he wanted you is because he has put his call upon your life. Oh, oh I'm so excited because God wanted me. And he has put his call upon my life for a reason. I am not just saved to fulfill my own agenda. I am saved to fulfill his agenda. He looked at me and he said, I want this boy. I want to put my anointing upon this boy. I want to put my grace upon this boy. I want to anoint him so much so that he can preach to the multitude. I want to entrust him with the power to heal diseases, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers. I just love this boy. I like him. Even if people don't love him, I like him. And I have put my call upon him his life. All of you here, I want you to know that God likes you. I've even changed my face. Mm. 
I say God likes you. That's why he saved you. You might, have, you might have been rejected in school. Some of you, nobody selected you for anything. You even stood for elections. You failed terribly. Nobody selected you. Thank God you're born again. It is a sign that God likes you. It is a sign that God has an agenda for your life. It is a sign that there is the call of God upon your life. Am I preaching to the right crowd in this house? Look at your neighbor. Give them a high five and tell them, God likes me. God loves me. God wants me. That's why he pulled you from the gutters. That's why he pulled you from the miry clay. That's why he came to that bar when you're drinking and he pulled you out of that bar. That's why when you woke up from that bed, having committed sexual immorality, you started feeling guilty. He sent the Holy Ghost to come and talk to you about changing your life. That's why that time you stole, you felt so bad about it. And you said, I'm changing my life. It's because God looked at you and he said, I want this one. I want this robber. I want this liar. Oh, you're pretending as if you never did some bad things. But God saw you in your mess. And he said, this is the one I want that's why you are here today and there is the call of God upon your life Jesus called those he wanted he saw you when you were selling clothes in Eldoret Mtumba arise and shine Arise and shine. Arise and shine. And he said, I want this one. I have to save this one. I have to deliver this one. And I have to bring him to the church. Because I have my calling upon their lives. And they have to fulfill my calling upon their lives. I pray for everyone here who is born again. That you will not die without fulfilling God's call upon your life in the name of Jesus. As you go through mentorship, the calling will become clear. God's purpose over your life will become very clear. You will not miss it. You will not be derailed from it. You will fulfill it in the name of Jesus. I prophesy you will not die before you fulfill God's calling upon your life. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Every demon, every power, every spiritual force against your life to derail you from God's calling upon your life. I take charge in the spirit against it in the name of Jesus. I scatter it right now in Jesus' name. The year 2024, the calling of God upon your life will be clear. I say it will be clear. I say it will be clear. And you will fulfill it in the name of Jesus. If you believe David shout a louder yes in this house. Slap your neighbor and tell them I must fulfill God's calling upon my life. I am so glad that God didn't give me preconditions before he saved me. If God was to give us preconditions before he saved us, none of us could have been saved. If God could have given us some, you know, some standards that we need to meet, none of us could have been here today. He chose you just as you are, with your blunders, with your mess, with your stench, with your flaws and your weaknesses, with your level of education, with your poverty, with your brokenness. He chose you. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited this morning. I feel like I need to give God some 30 seconds of praise because he chose me. He's 
saved me. He delivered me just the way I am without preconditions. Sit down. Can we go deeper? There's a man in the Bible that God chose and a prophet was not very happy with God because he knew this man. Let me tell you, if some people were to be asked if you should be chosen, they will say, hey, no. That one, no. And God chose this man against all odds. And he went and talked to a prophet by the name Ananias. The man was poor. And Ananias was not very excited about, you know, Paul's calling into the ministry. But God is not a man. Even believers are not really, really happy about it. They were skeptical about Paul's calling. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 15. I want us to read there quickly. Acts chapter 9. Look at the neighbor and tell them I've been called. And I've been chosen. Uh, I know they are looking at you funny, but just repeat it loudly in their ear and tell them, I've been called and I've been chosen. Oh, yeah. oh man, I feel like preaching. Oh my goodness. It's not about my hairstyle. It's not about my pigmentation. It's not about my tribe. It's not even about my dental formula. You might not like my smile, but God has called me. God has chosen me. I know I'm short, but God has called me. Hey! I've been called and chosen by God. He's called me. The Bible says now there was a certain man, a certain disciple at Damascus called Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Uh-huh. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. Saul is praying. The persecutor of the church is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias. While Paul was praying, God gave him a vision. I mean, when I was reading this story, I was so surprised that sometimes God gives vision to people that you have disqualified. People that you think will never amount to anything. That's why me, I don't despise anyone. I don't even despise the young people. That's why I'm even working with the young people. I'm a pastor of young people right now. Oh, yes. Every Sunday, I carry two sets of clothes. I wear a suit for firebrands. And I wear a ragged jeans for young people. Oh, 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 oh. There is going to be a revolution in the city. Who am I preaching to? I said there is going to be a revolution in the city. Because you might just say, oh, these are young people. Oh, I don't think they can do anything. Oh, watch this space. Watch this space. Touch your neighbor and tell them, watch this space. And some of you think, oh, we are firebrands, we are old. I don't think God has anything to do with us. We are very old. I'm 45. I am 50. I'm going to 60. I'm thinking of retirement. We are not retiring yet. I say we are not retiring yet. In fact, we are being fired up for ministry. 
Can I have an amen from the firebrands in this house? We are not going down. Look at your neighbor and tell them I'm still strong. Oh my goodness. Some of you need to say like Caleb, as I was strong 40 years ago, I am still strong, Moses. I am still strong, Joshua. I am still strong, Pastor. Give me this mountain. Sit down, we need to read this scripture. I'm getting excited. Mm. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. He saw Ananias coming to pray for him. This was a persecutor of the church. Verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I need to remind you something. This fellow, this man that you are sending me to, I have background information about him. I indulge your attention, Jehovah God. As if God doesn't know. Some of you behave as if you know many things more than God. The way you talk to God, you're so proud. He looks at you and says, this one, even if I just, I just blow him, he will, he, he, will be, he will become sand. But the way you are talking is like, hey, you know more than God. This is how Ananias was behaving. Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. This pastor, is he really spiritual? Does he know this person that he is graduating today? <laughs> Did you see? He even appointed pastors. You know, pastor doesn't know that sister. I'm the one who knows that sister. Some of you even go deep and say, hey, Pastor has appointed my husband as a pastor. I am the one who lives with him. He should come and ask me first. <laughs> Thank God. God doesn't need your opinion to appoint people. God doesn't need your opinion to anoint people. God doesn't need even your contribution to whether he should use somebody or not. Thank God you are not God. You are a wife, but you are not God. Shut up. This side is very quiet. Let me preach to them. <laughs> your neighbor and tell them shut up you're not God I've heard from many about this man I know his stories I have heard rumors about him I know him I've heard so many things about him hmm. how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem he was a, the sponsor of persecution of the church in Jerusalem I know him God Sometimes before you move, be talking to people like us. See, Sindio to Kokwa ground. Be talking to us. We will tell you things. Thank God you are not God. If some of you are God, even me, I'll not be here preaching today. 
God, you are not God. Lord, I thank you. <laughs> Next verse, verse 14. Then God begins to talk to him. Wow. I love this. DJ, preach with me. Okay, Paul, uh, Ananias continues to say, and here he has authority. He tells God he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. I know why he has come. He has come to take us to prison. That's why we are hiding. Next verse, verse 15. But the Lord, oh, thank God you're not God. But the Lord said to him, go. For he is Oh, he is a chosen vessel. Do I have chosen vessels in the house this morning? Make some noise if you're a chosen vessel. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Verse 16. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now he's beginning to tell him the things that he's going to do through Saul. Next verse. And Ananias, after being convinced, he went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you're about to call me brother. You're about to call me a man of God. You're about to call me a pastor. I'm prophesying over somebody in this house. You're about to call me a prophet. You're about to call me a leader. You're about to call me a leader of a CMG. Can I have a witness in the house? Brother. So. After God spoke to him, he changed his language. Now Saul is a brother. Say, brother, so the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. This year, some of you, your name will change. Let me try, maybe this side they are waking up. I prophesy this year, your name will change. I prophesy over this side, this year, your name will change. I prophesy this side, this year, your designation will change in Jesus' name. Are you ready for this? I prophesy this year, your designation will change. Shout amen in this house. God is going to change the name people have been calling you. Because his calling upon your life will become, will become so clear. Because of what? Mentorship. And when you go back in that verse, he told him, look, I have chosen this guy. I have called him for multiplication. He will appear before Gentiles. Not a Gentile. Gentiles. Plural. Tell your neighbor, ask your neighbor, do you understand? Singular. Everybody say plural. plural. Huh? 
Shout it again. Some of you say, it's his hand. His hand. Shout it louder. Pluto. Hey. <laughs> he told him he will appear before Gentiles. Go back to that verse. I showed them. Gentiles. Kings. That's plural. That's multiplication. The reason why the call was coming upon Saul is for the multiplication of souls into the kingdom of God. The reason why God saved you and called you he didn't call you so that you can bring subtraction in his house. He didn't call you so that you can bring division in the church. He called you so that you can go to the Gentiles. You can go to the kings. You can stand before the children of Israel. You can preach in your community. You can reach out to your friends, your colleagues, your family members, and bring multiplication of souls into the kingdom of God. Do I have such people in the house? so tell your neighbor this year we are not dividing the church God didn't call you to divide the church God didn't call you to start calling people and tell them you are also still going there huh? where did you receive a mandate to call a church a cult a church that fed you a church that helped you. A church that even called you a pastor. So at, at what point did it become a cult? Before it made you a pastor? Or after it made you a pastor? Now that you're a pastor and you're calling it a cult, are you not also cultic? Please, can we talk this morning? How do you soil the water that quenched your thirst. How do you soil the fountain that refreshed you? That's not God's calling upon your life. You see, before the calling came upon Saul, he was a destroyer of the church. Before God appeared to him on his way to Damascus, he brought division in the church. He brought destruction in the church. But the day he got saved, the day he saw the light, the day he met Jesus, the way you and I have met Jesus, he received another call. It was the call to build the church. It was the call to bring souls into the church. It was the call to bring multiplication of souls in the church, to bring Gentiles and kings into the kingdom of God. So the calling of God upon your life is not division. Mm -mm. It is not subtraction. It is multiplication. Are we together? So next time somebody calls you and tells you, oh, hey, you, 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 you are still there. Tell them you are an agent of the devil. Satan has sent you. And before you finish your statement, I shut you down in the name of Jesus. I have a different call. My call is to build the church. 
My call is to bring multiplication of souls in the. Can I have a witness in this house? Oh, yes. That's my call. That's why you are saved. Sure. Sit down. Are we going to finish this message? Number two is obedience. Mentorship is a journey of obedience. The Bible says when he called them, what happened? They came to him. They came to him. They became obedient to the call. When they were chosen, they immediately followed him without thinking twice. You see, mentorship can never take place where there is rebellion and disobedience. You have to be obedient. You have to respond to the call. And you have to align your life to the call. You know, there are Christians who are like Jonah. Who loved the Lord but became disobedient to his call. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! And go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of God. He's going the opposite direction. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. And so he paid the fare. <laughs> and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He is even financing his journey away from God. Using the money that God gave him to finance and promote his rebellion. And the Bible says, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So that the ship was about to be broken up. His disobedience was very clear. He went a totally different direction. God had called him. But instead of him obeying the call of God upon his life, he went a totally different direction. And many of us behave like Jonah. You might have very nice statements like, you know, uh, you know, our calling is serious. <laughs> you know, our calling is very serious, Pastor. You know, you know, our calling. 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 Pastor, you know, it's a very deep thing. And me, I know myself, I'm not deep. Tell your neighbor, you're running away. You're running away. You're, you're a Jonah. You're running away. Some people even tell me, you know, pastor, let me tell you, pastor, let, let's just be clear about this, pastor. Pastor, I want you to know I'll support you 101%. In fact, pastor, you know, I know my calling. You're like Jonah. Running away. Many Christians are running away from God. Even this fasting. This fasting we are talking about. Some of you have already planned how you will run away from fasting. You have strategized. Especially which side? 
Tell your neighbor, stop running away, stop running away, stop running away. God is telling him, go to Nineveh. He decides to go to Tashish. You see, he's moving, but he's not moving in the right direction. Moving is not enough. You must move in the right direction. And a lot of Christians are making movements, but not in the right direction. And they will show the pastor they are busy. Wow, wow. They're supposed to be in Nineveh, but they're busy in Tashish. Wow. Pastor, you can see we are working for the Lord. But God knows you are moving in the wrong direction. Oh, me. If God calls my husband, that's fine. Oh, that's fine. I will just suppose. I just suppose. I just... I know what you are saying. I am a very wise leader. I understand what you are saying. You are telling me, Pastor, I am a Jonah. <laughs> I wish you can hear how some people are praying. Father! In the name of Jesus. I come before thy throne of grace. Lord, Lord. I remember the world. The world is broken. People are sinful. Father, I pray. Send laborers. Father, I know my work is to pray. Send them, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I know my work is to pray them through. I bath them right now. I push them right now. Laborers, come forth. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Jonah. <laughs> That's why you have even refused to join the transformation track. When you see... <laughs> I have come back to, I've, I've come down to your street right now. When you see that book, Pastors from the Pews, you'll be as if you have not seen it. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, Jonah. Hmm. Join the transformation track. Mm -hmm. Join it. Mm -hmm. Second year, join it. Mm -hmm. Join it. Oh, yeah. You know, pastor, by the way, the reason why I have not joined the transformation is because I have no calling of a pastor. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them, Jonah. You're running away. And you know very well the reason why you are saved is not to fulfill your own agenda.
is to fulfill God's agenda. Jonah! Oh, Jonah is not responding. Jonah is in the, in, the, in, the, in the lower part of the ship. Let me go one step lower. Jonah! He's still not responding. Let me try and go lower. Hey, Jonah! You are hiding. You are running away with many excuses, flimsy excuses. And because you are running away, now you are putting the people you are supposed to save at risk. Both the people who are in the ship with you and the people you have left in Nineveh who are dying in their wickedness because of your disobedience. People are on the brink of sliding into hell. And you are here. Jonah. Okay, let's spice it a bit. Jonah. And you know, most of you think, you know, so long as I'm, I have my family, I'm taking care of my family, all will be right. It's not true. Lord had his family, preached only to his family, took care of only his family, but lived in a society that was surrounded by wicked people. And one day, they came after his visitors. And when they couldn't get his visitors, he was willing to give his daughters. Jonah, this thing I'm talking about is coming home. Is coming home. If we don't evangelize this world, how will you feel when your daughter one time comes to you and brings your Muslim boyfriend? Abdullah. Or your son brings you Halima. You're now quiet. Jonah, wake up. Go to Tashish. Sorry, go to Nineveh. Go and preach. Go and plant churches. Go and establish the work of God there. So that the neg negative influence in Nineveh doesn't get to your house. Your house is not safe if your community is not saved. You can clap or say, mm, it is not safe. Because you will not be around your children 24-7. Jonah went a different direction. He risked the lives of the people who were in Tashish and risked the lives of the people who were in the boat. 
Why? Because God sent a wind. All right. You've decided not to follow God's calling upon your life. Assuredly, I say unto thee, a great wind is coming. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, a wind is coming. And Jonah found himself in the belly of a fish. When you read the story, you realize, that's when he started praying. Oh God, forgive my foolishness. Forgive my pride. And forgive my disobedience. And God, you know, some of you think that your will is very strong than the will of God. Look, <laughs> if God has decided it is you, <laughs> you want to tell me there were no other preachers in the world that day? Oh, that, those, those years? There were so many people. But remember I told you, Jesus chose the ones he wanted. This Jonah guy is the one God wanted. And you, Jonah, you are the one that God wants. When I was talking about God wants you, you were very excited. I have now twisted it. You are very quiet. You are not even standing. But tell your neighbor, you are the one that God wants to go to Nineveh. And God has a way of overriding your will that you may fulfill his will. Okay. See, you are stubborn. So you are even rejecting my message today. Haya. Wacha tuone huko mbele itakuwaje. Tuko tu hapa. In this world. Oh yes. One day you are the one who will be coming to my house. Pastor. Pastor, do you have, do you have a napkin? Oh. You know, Pastor, I should have heard you. I've been running away from God. Pastor, I'm in the belly of a fish. I'm in the belly of a fish. I'm in the belly of a fish. Pastor, what do I do? The call is so strong. You see, when you'll be crying, me, I'll be laughing. <laughs> I'll be laughing at you. Because I, I will tell you, I, I, I told you. Jonah. Hey, they are still not responding. Jonah. Obey. Acts chapter 26. What a message to preach the first Sunday of the year. Acts. Let me move quickly. This is Paul. I love Paul. When I get to heaven, that's one of the guys I want to meet. Theologians say that he was a short man. Crooked nose. Well, wore glasses. And he was bald-headed. But when he opens his mouth, you could see that he was very tall in the spirit. Very eloquent. Paul. Verse 12. What does the Bible say? 
This is Paul trying to vindicate his calling. He said, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. He's giving a testimony. Standing before people and giving a testimony. Next verse, verse 13. At midday, O king, along the road, actually he was before a king, King Agrippa. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me. And those who journeyed with me. Next verse. And when we were all when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul. Some of you as I'm preaching, God is speaking to you. Jonah, Jonah. Saul, Saul. Sue, Sue. Jemo, Jemo. Brayo, Brayo. They know, they know. Pamela, Pamela. Jonte, Jonte. He had a voice. You see, if I call you, for example, what's your name? Hmm? Doty, Doty. Dorothy, Dorothy. You see, I know her name is Dorothy. But if I call you twice, some of you, I, sometimes I call you twice, but you don't understand why I'm calling you twice. I even tell you, how many times have I called you? Then you say twice, but you don't understand what I'm asking you. <laughs> you think God doesn't know Saul is called Saul? Why is he repeating the name? Miriam, Miriam. Rose, Rose. Mugo, Mugo. There's something God is looking for. Becky, Becky. Then you think somebody is stammering. Tell your neighbor, God is not stammering when he's calling you twice. <laughs> he's, get, he's trying to get your attention. Because what he's about to say is serious. And you have to take it seriously. Leo, Leo. And some of you, I'm calling you twice because it is prophetic. Hmm? Jackie, Jackie. Musembi, Musembi. I'm telling you, there's so much tension in this service. I love tension in the There's good tension in the service. Hmm. Ask your neighbor, are you breathing? <laughs> soul, soul! Why? 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 Why are you persecuting me? Some of you, God is saying that. Why are you persecuting me? Ningeuliza tafadhali nitumia lugha ya Kiswahili ili muweze kunielewa kile ambacho ninasema. Mwenyezi Mungu anamtokelezea huyu kijana anaitwa Sauli. Anamuita mara mbili. 
anamuitwa Sauli Sauli kwa nini wanitesa ah mbona nyinyi mwamtesa Mwenyezi Mungu Mungu anakuuliza swali katika ibada ya leo kwa nini wewe na akili zako na nguvu zako eh? na masomo yako na urembo yako wamtesa Mwenyezi Mungu haumuokopi Mwenyezi Mungu wewe Some of you God is lamenting why are you persecuting me I long to have you work for me do my work multiply souls but you are persecuting me then he tells me he tells him it is hard for you to kick against the gods that means the the the, the thing you are doing you will never go far <laughs> Huh? You are disobedient. That's why I'm telling you. Me, I am here waiting for you in my office. <laughs> Pastor. If I don't serve God, I feel like I will die. <laughs> I will just be laughing. <laughs> yes, if you don't serve God, you will die. Yes. Yes, serve God. Lucy, Lucy. Why are you persecuting me? I want you to work for me. I want to anoint you. I want to send you. I want to use you, but you are going a different direction. Wanitesa bana. Sauli mbona wanitesa? Sauli mbona wanitesa? If your neighbor is not singing, they never went to Sunday school. Some people got saved the other day. Next verse. Oh my goodness. This is a very powerful message. And Saul said, and I said, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Verse 16. You see, he didn't even know the Lord. But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister. And a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. Ah, verse 17, I love it. Mm. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Because most of you, your fear for ministry is that people will hate you. People will not like you. But God says I will deliver you. May God deliver you as you serve him in Jesus' name. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Verse 18. Move quickly. People need to graduate. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19. Therefore, all of us, let's read. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's why Paul is a great guy. 
He was not disobedient. Every disobedient Christian in this service, repent. Every Christian that has persecuted God, repent. Look at how God had to go out of his way to pick you from where you are. Some of you, if it was not God, even us who will not have managed to pick you from where you are to bring you to church. And God has brought you and the thank you you give him is disobedience. Wahenga walisema asante apunda. Be like Paul. Paul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I want to stop there. I'll continue next Sunday. Can't finish. Ladies and gentlemen, this year, I want to challenge you to be obedient to the heavenly vision. I want to challenge you to be like Paul. Be obedient to God. This is not a year to have one foot in church and another foot in the world. This is the year to have both our feet in church, in God, in the will of God and become obedient to the heavenly vision. It's a year you have to tell God, I will not persecute you. I will not break your heart. I'll not be the cause of pain in your heart. I'll not be the cause of disappointment in your heart. I will obey the heavenly vision. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.